What's up, everybody? It's Daniel D. with A Ghost in the Machine, the podcast on Monday, October 9th, 2023. Happy Columbus Day to all you explorers out there. Um, and going to talk about in this episode what's going on in the world, what's happening in the world. Of course, we all know it's Israel and Palestine back at it again. And uh, this is episode number 26, I believe, of the podcast. And tentative title, I'll just say, is like uh, Israel's 9-11. GWAT 2.0 incoming, something like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out before I title the episode. Uh, but um, the parallels, of course, are, are striking. Now, Israel's 9 11. Um, you know, some people would say that was the original 9 11, but we'll ignore that for the time being. 10 uh, 7. Man, it's crazy, right? I, I can only imagine if I was Israeli how I would feel about that. Like the, the visuals of young women being, uh, taken hostage pictures of them, you know, they're, um, after having been sodomized, apparently, you know, raped and all that and beaten and killed in some cases with their limbs all contorted and, you know, the corpses displayed. I mean, it's pretty gruesome, you know? And so I, I, on one level, just the, the humanity of it, I understand people getting upset or, you know, being like these people are animals that would do this. You know, you see there's something too about seeing this happen to young women versus, you know, young men. Um, There is a difference there, you know, and how it affects people. And so, you know, it reminds me of 9-11 where, you know, as an American, you know, um, we had we used to have a, a sort of patriotism around America that maybe the world war two generation had where it was like, you know, my country, right or wrong. As GK Chesterton said, my country, right or wrong is like saying my mother drunk or sober. Well, that's kind of how the world war two generation pretty much was. It was like our country, right or wrong. Fuck it. We're Americans. We're going to kick everybody's asses or whatever. Right. Um, by the time, you know, through after the baby boomers had in Vietnam and everything, you know, maybe that had, watered down somewhat so during the clinton administration you know clinton of course being a infamous for dodging the draft and protesting against you know america's um involvement in vietnam while in a foreign country you know there's by that point in our history that sort of knee-jerk patriotism had kind of waned a lot but on 9-11 it came back with a vengeance like on 9-11 wherever you were as an American and you would remember your very vividly where you were, what you were doing when you found out about nine 11, um, you found, you felt a patriotism that you had not, that you didn't know you had, you know, everybody. I mean, it didn't matter what, you know, ethnicity you were, what region of the country you lived in, you know, on nine 11, man, people were pissed. They're like, you know, a shock and horror and, uh, you know, and this, like we're feeling very keenly like we're Americans. We were attacked, even if you weren't in New York or even if you weren't, you know, in the Pentagon or in the Twin Towers and didn't have any, you know, f- friends or family who were in those places. You nonetheless took it personally, you know, and when you saw the the people leaping to their deaths from the towers, you know, you felt that like, man, I mean, that's, you know, you, you could, you saw the people on the news, um, 
you know, the family members who are crying and sobbing and, you know, you know, like we don't know where so-and-so is like last we heard, they called and said this had happened. And, you know, we're just waiting to find some kind of word. Like, are they alive? Are they dead? I mean, you really felt that on that day. Like it was really, I mean, you, you know, people, people, a lot of folks went to the recruiting stations, you know, or contacted a recruiter to sign to enlist. Like, let's go kill these motherfuckers. Uh, I mean, you know, there was a real resolve in that moment. And, and so so I get it, you know, for Israelis looking at this happening. I'm sure they feel the same thing, you know. So I, I don't want to minimize that or say that they're wrong for, for, you know, feeling that way. Like, however you feel about the Palestinians or the Israelis, I mean, yeah, I get it. Why the Israelis would and why people generally would look at the, these images of these, you know, and, and feel, you know, really horrified by it. Um, I bring that up to also say, though, that this response is something that is, that puts us in a place where we can be manipulated pretty easily. And if you remember 9-11, that's pretty much what happened. So you had this resolve, this patriotism, and how did our elites, how did our, the inner circle within the government, the military industrial complex, the intel services, the, you know, all that, the bankster, you know, cartel, how did they respond by selling us on a war with Iraq? Like they already had that kind of in the pipeline as it turns out, ready to go. Let's just, you know, uh, anyway, um, we all know how that played out, right? We got suckered big time as Americans. Um, our impulses, and feelings um, that our our humanity basically was weaponized against us, manipulated, you know, and turned against us by some psych- psychopathic people. Um, and then, of course, as it came out later too, there's a question about wow, nine eleven. There's all these anomalies, all these red flags that make you wonder, you know, who knew what, and did people in our government in our intelligence services even within the bush administration um know what was going to happen and kind of allow it to happen because they felt like they could exploit the aftermath to get what they wanted you know there's all kinds of red flags and a lot of people have done a lot of deep dives into this and at first you know it sounded crazy back in the day you know you had your 9-11 truth or movement uh and i i was dismissive of it for a long time you know like you know, even after it came out that Iraq was a bunch of bullshit, like the the all the false pretenses that were used to get us to go to war with Iraq, um, even after that, I still like, yeah, you know, yeah, but nine eleven that really did happen. They just misused it. But then, as I, I guess, as you see more conspiracy theories turn out to be true, and see how deep uh, and how high up the rot and corruption in our government and in our uh, institutions go. And you say, well, I mean, I certainly wouldn't put it past them to do this. I don't think that they orchestrated the entire thing. I don't think the Bush administration was that confident, but I do think that they, some people knew about it and allowed it to happen and kind of kept an eye on things and, you know, exploited the fallout and were ready to go when it, when it, came to pass i mean if you remember of course just to hit some of the highlights with these red flags um for one i mean the fingerprints of intelligence that's a phrase that was used to describe lee harvey oswald um 
you know, the fingerprints of intelligence were all over these hijackers. You know, the CIA, they had some connections with the CIA. The CIA had them on the radar. Um, and apparently the CIA didn't share any of that information with domestic uh, law enforcement, you know, about, hey, this might be going on. It's almost like the CIA and the those who control the CIA or who are aligned with the CIA, um, you know, knew what these hijackers were up to and kind of just let stuff happen, you know, while keeping an eye on it. And of course, alerting some of the people in high places because, you know, there's a lot of things like the uh, passport of one of the hijackers just happened to be found, you know, like a block away from the trade center. Uh, it was kind of odd. What did he throw it out the window before the plane hit? And he was like, oh, I don't need this passport anymore. Let me open the window and toss it out you know, conveniently so that it won't burn up so that they'll know it was me, you know, and as little odd things like that, you know, the, uh, Larry Silverstein, the guy who had the lease on the trade center buildings, I mean, took out this huge insurance policy the month before, um, specifically to cover terrorism. And, you know, there was apparently all this, um, asbestos remediation that was going to need to be done on the towers, uh, that conveniently didn't, he didn't have to pay for after that happened. Um, he, Larry Silverstein, his son and his daughter didn't show up to work on 9-11 of all days. Almost like they were tipped off. Hey, don't go into the office. There's going to be something to go down. Of course, there's all the issues with Tower 7. How did it collapse when it wasn't hit by the plane, when it wasn't hit by any large debris? You know, why did it, you know, collapse the way that it did, especially? Almost like it was a controlled demolition, you know. Um, and of course there was the Pentagon's press conference the day before 9-11 about this missing trillion dollars, you know, that they weren't able to account for. There's just all these things with 9-11 that didn't add up. A lot of red flags. Oh, and of course there's the dancing Israelis. So, uh, this is an odd story, which if you look into very much, you're like, yeah, something does definitely doesn't add up here. These, uh, Israeli citizens who had, uh, connections to the Mossad were dressed up as Arabs videotaping themselves celebrating minutes after the first plane hit the, the tower hit, hit the first tower they're across the Hudson River in New Jersey with this great view of the towers in the background you know tower one uh, in flames the second plane had not even hit yet. So at this point, people were were not even sure that this was terrorism. It was like, oh, this, maybe this plane just uh, tragically, you know, had an accident. No, people weren't really sure what had happened at that point. It wasn't clear that it was terrorism. But already, these Israelis dressed as Arabs across the Hudson River filming themselves with the, you know, the wreckage in the, in the background of smoldering, you know, in Tower 1. And... Um, they were late. They were apprehended because, like, they, they were kind of people phoned in. You know, hey, I saw this happening. Um, you know, and then when they were apprehended by local law enforcement uh, that day, they said, "Oh, we're on your side. We're against the Palestinians." Blah blah. blah. You know, turns out they're Israeli citizens. And then, of course, uh, through some dealings with intelligence uh, agencies, they get spirited out of the country. The whole thing's kind of hushed up. So you had the dancing Israelis too, which again, kind of odd. How would they know? Why would they be there that early filming it dressed as Arabs, you know, almost like they wanted us to pin the blame on, you know, their enemies in the Middle East and go to war. Well, anyway, so 
we know that that 9-11 there was a lot of stuff that didn't add up and then the way it was used the way it was weaponized to get america into a war with iraq um you know so all that to say now here we have 10-7 with these optics and kind of some of it just kind of over the top like people hang gliding into this you know across this border there's a lot of red flags there just like there was with 9-11 and i'm sure more red flags will be raised as time goes on and more information comes out and gets shared you know how did the Mossad, with along with the cia the pretty much the top intel service in the world you know how did they not know anything was coming you know how did they completely not know that this was going to happen that there was anything planned that day how was this border which is you know heavily uh, militarized how did that all these palestinians coming across it and the response from israel takes this long to happen you know they're, they're just able to run riot you know for hours um unmolested by israeli defense forces like that just doesn't quite add up either you know um you know so anyway i'm sure i, I would be shocked if red flags didn't get raised about 10-7 just knowing how these things work. I mean, knowing the fact that our governments lie to us. We've just lived through COVID and all this stuff in 2020, you know, all and, and just seeing across the world governments in lockstep uh, acting to, you know, to, to create or take advantage of a crisis by, you know, ter- by putting people into fear and using the opportunity to in- increase their level of control top down um, over society right like there's a lot of stuff going on that doesn't add up so anyway i'd be shocked knowing that if we didn't see something similar happen with 10-7 that there was stuff going on there that doesn't add up a lot of red flags and then two knowing how 9-11 was used you know again history seems to repeat itself or at least it rhymes so 9 11 10 7 you know i'm sure they'll get the same response well already they're the the escalating war you know israel's like now it's got this uh prerogative to go after the palestinians in a big way and possibly iran which is maybe what they want i don't know it's one of those things that um you know just as with pearl harbor the the uh rumors that FDR and his team kind of knew about it and there's some information that indicates that they did that they anticipated this happening hence why for example the aircraft carriers were not in port when the Japanese attack took place you know uh, but the battleships and all that or the were um, 9-11 same thing if they if people high up in the intel services and in the Bush administration knew about this and allowed it to happen um, you know, there's this sense in which your own government allows you to be sacrificed be, to because it gives them what they need to pursue the agenda that they want to help themselves. So it's like FDR and his team want us to get into World War II, happy to sacrifice some of the sailors on these battleships to let it, to, you know, make that happen. If that's what it takes, you know, like that's kind of a psychopathic move now uh 9-11 hey your own government willing to sacrifice people in on the towers willing to sacrifice um all the people who died in iraq you know 
to pursue their agenda of enriching a, 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 a cabal of people. Um, you know, now you have with Israel, maybe the same type of thing going on where you have Israel allowing this attack to happen, or at least people within the Israeli government and Israeli defense forces and the Mossad who may know about this and have allowed it to happen nonetheless. And because they want to use it, it just shows how little regard these leaders, these elites have for their own people, you know, and then the, the weaponization of these things, these people have this response. It's like, Oh, now we've got the attack on the main or the, you know, the attack on Pearl Harbor or the, you know, attack on the twin towers. Or now in the case of Israel, we've got the attack on this, you know, music festival and uh, all these young, pretty Israeli women that we can use, you know, to get what we want. And it's like, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it kind of makes you feel cynical about, <laughs> Uh, government and about uh, leaders and these elites and how they actually view the people whom they're leading. Um, but for as an American, I'll bring this back to America. This is like you have this fight between the Hatfields and the McCoys in the Middle East. You got Israel and Palestine. They've not gotten along ever. And they're not ever going to get along. And we are not going to fix that. You know, in this instance, Israel is more than capable of handling the Palestinians. They don't need any more money or assistance from us because they've been getting money and assistance. I mean, you note the headlines is, uh, with Antony Blinken and, you know, uh, you know, the U.S. government sending more or additional uh, military aid and equipment uh, to Israel because we're already funding them. We're already giving them, you know, weapons and and things like that. We're already yoked to Israel and a relationship that really, if you look at, especially the last, you know, 25 years, it's really difficult to see where America has benefited from this relationship. You know, we've kind of been played like a sucker by our own pathocratic elites who are allied with the pathocratic elites of Israel. And, to, to wage war against Israel's enemies in the Middle East and to great expense and ruinous expense for America and questionable benefit for us. And so here we go again, you know, the Hatfields and McCoys going at it. The only way to win a conflict as a third party, the only way to win a conflict with a conflict between the Hatfields and the McCoys is not to get involved. Like, that's their fight. We don't need to get in the middle of it. Um, and then also, ah, when you see American leaders, public officials and, and uh, presidential candidates just falling over each other to give the most hardcore statement in support of Israel, like I condemn it and we're, we're going to do whatever it takes to help Israel and blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, if only our leaders cared about America, the way they care about Israel and Ukraine, if only America's public officials and elected officials cared about the American people the way they care about Ukrainians and Israelis. If only American leaders, if only the regular American people had the kind of representation in our own government that Ukrainians and Israelis somehow have in the American government, boy, we'd have a totally different country. You know, so that's my thing there is, uh, and to go back to the Monroe Doctrine, we don't need to be which, of course, some people have been saying for a long time. Uh, Pat Buchanan has been kind of 
beating this drum, you know, for decades, Ron Paul. Uh, but it's true. It's like, what has it gotten us, you know, other than we're bankrupt, 30 some odd trillion dollars in the hole and counting. Um, you know, inflation's a problem. Our economy is struggling. Um, all this globalism, you know, we've, we've wrecked our own industrial base, ruined our own energy sector, uh, bankrupted, you know, our treasury. And for what, you know, to... Uh, enrich a few pathocratic elites here and in China and in Israel, you know, I mean, certainly the American people have not benefited from this. Um, and all this stuff, you know, too, people talk about, um, wanting Israel to be able to do, why don't we do that here in America? You know, like all these folks, even, even some of your people on the left, who, man, they hate America, they hate, you know, they want our borders wide open, you know, a globalist policies to just allow anybody and everybody to come in here unvetted, unchecked, and do whatever they want, and in fact, get subsidized heavily once they're here, um, you know, those same people are like, no, it's re Israel needs a strong response, well, some of them, and I'll get to this in a minute, because it's, uh, it's an interesting state of affairs um but yeah the adl i'll just use them as an example they're they're interesting to watch this is a a, a group the adl and others like them that have promoted open borders and you know lax immigration policies here in america and you can go to their website and see uh, articles about their efforts to oppose the trump administration's you know tightening of the border and uh, rounding up of illegals and deportations and all that. Um, you can see that they, when it comes to crime, violent crime in America and Americans being brutalized um, by violent criminals, the ADL is all about promoting soft on crime policies, you know, co running cover for George Soros as he, you know, promotes soft on crime policies DAs that don't prosecute violent criminals that only prosecute regular law-abiding citizens when they defend themselves successfully against the criminals um, and prosecuting the enemy the political enemies of the regime you know and the ADL you know is quick if anybody criticizes George Soros for doing this hey why is this foreign rich guy you know allowed to come in here and throw his money around to undermine the social fabric in our country to to unleash this anarcho tyranny on the american people who are suffering now because of it like why is this allowed to happen and the ADL is like oh that's anti-semitic you can't criticize george soros right uh even south africa with the the genocide of the white farmers there the boers you have the adl like after there's a, a video going viral of a, a South African leader, you know, political leader leading a chant in a stadium, a song, kill the Boer, kill the white farmer, right? Genocidal chant. And the ADL puts a statement out defending that saying, well, this is not a, you know, hate speech. It's a, it's a rallying cry from the days of apartheid. It's an inspiring, you know, message of hope. Yeah. Real inspiring for the uh, Boer, Farmers who are getting butchered and massacred by um, these black criminals, black thugs and terrorists, um, the ADL will cover for them, you know. And if you want to see some images of people being brutalized, I mean, that's one 
some of the the video or the the, the pictures of people who've been just, who've been brutally beaten and killed by these black terrorists in South Africa. Um, it's pretty awful, but the ADL is happy to cover for them. But then when it's Israel, look at their statement. You know, it's just unequivocal. You know, Israel has a right to defend itself, take any means necessary to, you know, defend itself, to defend its, you know, basically it's like Israel can defend its borders. Israel can, you know, put a stop to violent crime within its, uh, and, and criminal scum terrorists preying upon its own people. You know, it can have an ethno state where it's able to do these things. But if European nations or if whites in South Africa or if whites in America want to protect themselves from criminal violence, from being preyed upon, um, if they want to preserve their culture, their evil, their that's hateful, the ADL and those aligned with the ADL are opposed to it. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of resentment that yeah, people have now, and this so is this playing out. You have on the one hand, you have people calling for us to get involved with is this conflict on behalf of Israel, which I think is a bad idea. You have others that are like, we should support Palestine. You know, that's your far left um, folks, as well as interestingly some people on the the right. Um, but mostly it's a kind of your AOC squad, Islamist sympathizing crowd of you know the Bolsheviks. Many of them are, uh, you know, pro-Palestinian, which that's also a mistake. Not our fight, okay? So um, we don't need to get in the middle of it. But now let's talk about the, well, so a lot of people are using this friend-enemy distinction, it seems like. And I don't think that's useful. I think it's misguided in a situation like this. It's more like when you have, particularly with with foreign powers, with with different um Geo, in geopolitics, uh, you don't have friends and enemies. You have interests. Different people, different groups, different countries have different interests. And sometimes those interests overlap. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they partially overlap. And they, you know, maybe they share some interests but not others. And that's really what I see here. I mean, some of the, so you got people wanting a black and white. You know, there where it's either this side or it's that side. Um, you know, so okay, so for example. People will say, I was mentioning the ADL. So people say, well, the Jews, you know, are, are influencing American, um, you know, in America in this way that is harmful to us, beneficial to them, beneficial to Israel. And there is, you know, it's actually complicated because you have Orthodox Jews who I think do tend to be pro-Israel and want America to get involved on behalf of Israel and take Israel's side and identify with Israel. Um, but they are not the ones who want open borders generally, don't want open borders for the United States, don't want Soros DAs unleashing criminals. Uh, Orthodox Jews, they're right wing on a lot of stuff. Like they, they are on all issues except Israel. They are pro-American by and large. You know, they're, they are absolutely opposed to, you know, illegal immigration, absolutely opposed to, you know, um, you know the the violent crime that we see, the the racial identity politics, all that stuff taking place in America. They're opposed to that. They're opposed to Bolshevism. They're opposed to, um, you know, the narco tyranny of the left. All the stuff that the left is trying to do to undermine and destroy America and its social fabric. And all of these the oligarchs, you know, are trying to do. Uh, 
to America as well, using the street communists of Antifa and BLM and all that to to do their dirty work to basically unleash a narco tyranny while they have this sort of top down create a crisis offer the solution which is always more power for them more surveillance over us fewer rights you know in the long run um orthodox jews are not part of that so they do so obviously the adl and certain jews who are more neoconservative neocon artist um type they are, and it's a weird mix, or you have, so the Orthodox Jews actually take Judaism seriously. They're not supportive of all the other stuff that the left is doing to destroy America, but they are supportive of Israel. And that's been, in my opinion, harmful to America, siding with Israel and all these conflicts and allowing ourselves to kind of really be manipulated by Israel, or at least by a inner ring, a circle, a, 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 a cabal, um, that overlaps between America and Israel and maybe other parts of the world too, you know, China. I mean, I'm like, shit, you look at the world economic forum. It's like, it seems like they, as Klaus Schwab has said, they've penetrated all these kind of cabinets, you know, in the Western nations, like penetrated in the sense of like raped, bent over and raped these countries by inserting themselves into their governments. Um, you know, so I don't know. The, the, there's this group at the top of society that, seems to benefit and seems to want you know our foreign policy to go a certain way um and so you have certain neoconservative jews and and also you know your adl and jews that are more on the left that will be both wanting the narco tyranny unleashed upon america want to deny uh white people in europe and south africa and america the same rights and privileges that they want to claim for Jews in Israel, you know, but the Orthodox Jews are not in that same category. So there's that the, the Orthodox Jews have interests that align generally with people on the right, except on maybe this one issue of Israel. But then here, there's a lot of Christians who also, you know, have the exact same views up to and including their views about Israel. Right. So you have, a lot of people on the right who are Christian and they they absolutely oppose the Bolshevism uh, being promoted by the left, you know, the narco tyranny being promoted by the George Soros, you know, open society and all that sort of nonsense. Um, they absolutely oppose that. They're very pro-Israel, though. So you have Orthodox Jews and, you know, evangelical Christians that kind of really, for the most part, they form a, a uniform block <coughs> in terms of their views and their interests and what they support so then you have again with uh, you know you got on the left you have two types it seems like you get your neocon artists who promote both the, the narco tyranny um, their anti-american policies here but pro-israel policies abroad which is kind of weird that's your adl and and so forth but then on the left too you also have your hamas wing your aoc and squad and all of them they promote the narco tyranny here and they promote hamas they basically promote terrorism wherever terrorists are you know and i know we can quibble about the definition of terrorism which is the difference between a freedom fighter and a terrorist well you know whatever they promote the use of violence 
to destabilize any kind of order, any kind of um, prosperity for basically anybody, you know. Um, so your AOCs, you know, your Bolsheviks, like they, they're just, it's purely destructive, nihilistic, you know, demonic religion. You know, so you have those adherents on the left and they are pro-Palestinians and anti-America. They're just anti-everything. And it's interesting to listen to them talk about decolonization. What do you think it meant? You know, some uh, ac- left-wing academic asked this on Twitter, you know, and the tweet kind of got picked up and went viral because people were like, oh, you see, this is what it means. It's like, what did you think decolonization meant? Uh, you know, papers or, you know, um public statements like yeah they're basically saying like this is what you can expect decolonization and so keep in mind when they call white people colonizers this is what they mean like they fully are would be happy these same people that are happy to see the palestinians butchering israeli civilians would are happy to see uh black south africans butchering white farmers are happy to see black criminals in the united states butchering you know white people and butchering each other um you know so I say all that, you know, there's, and then on the right too, you have people who, you know, are, are, um, will basically like just want to blame say Jews for everything, you know, like, do you have that faction on the right where it's like, Oh, the Jews are behind the open borders. They're behind the narco tyranny in our cities. They're also behind this foreign policy that favors Israel. It's the Jews. And it's like, it's not that simple either. Because again, as I said, you've got different groups of Jews that, you know, you even have Jews in, in America who are Bolsheviks, who they're for the anarcho tyranny and the open borders here, and they're for anarcho tyranny and open borders in Israel. Like they hate the Israelis and say they're pro-Palestinian. You know, even though the Palestinians would absolutely butcher them in a heartbeat if they ever got their hands on them, right? It's it's just a complicated situation with people with different conflicting interests, and so I think this is where I am right now. One. America shouldn't be involved. This is not our conflict. Uh, we really need to go back to the Monroe Doctrine and not get involved in other countries' business. So China and Taiwan, hey, if, if we want to give nukes, oh, well, I don't know about nukes, but I mean, if we want to <laughs> give the the Taiwanese weapons, I mean, maybe that's a thing, but we shouldn't fight their battle for them, you know? Um like a lot of the reason a lot of these countries are relying on us for their defense is because we've allowed that to happen or even promoted that, you know, Hey, don't worry about it. We got you. The great American empire, global homo American empire. We've got your back, you know, just South, you know, for, so South Korea, Japan, Germany, they can be prosperous because they don't have to worry about spending money on their own defense. We've got them. We've got our bases there. We've got, you know, our weapon systems covering them. I really need to, and Trump, this part of his, what he campaigned on in 2016, really need to revisit that, you know? It's like, first of all, we don't have the money, we don't have the resources to, we need to fix our own problems here at home, which we've got a dysfunctional society, violent crime, you know, on our borders wide open, we've got all this kind of social decay, um, manufacturing base is gone uh, I mean you can just go down the list it's like we need to fix America and stop worrying about all the other places um, now that said when we look at who's who in America um, 
one of the things that people on the right will criticize the left for is its purity test. Like if you dis, if you deviate from the the orthodox norms of the left's religion, whatever it is, Bolshevism, which of course change all the time. I mean, they're constantly getting revised and updated. But if you deviate from what's politically correct, then you can be you should be canceled. You're a bad person, whatever. Um, but the right can do this too. And he, I'm seeing an example of this with, say, for example, people talking about Bronze Age pervert, you know, who's apparently Jewish. Uh, it's like, oh, is he saying this or that in favor of Israel? Well, fuck him. He's a, you know, an interloper, an infiltrator. He's trying to just bring down and sow division among or neuter the dissident right. You know, you'll see people say that about um, Jews who are on the right. And it's like, it's, it's not that simple. Okay, so they disagree with you on the issue of Israel. But isn't it possible that they agree with you on a lot of other issues? And, you know, it's one of those things. Like, just as a Catholic who really takes her Catholicism seriously, although that's becoming less of a thing, especially since the Pope is a uh, Bolshevik, but, you know, or, or a Ukrainian, you know, I mean, anybody that has some kind of ethnic or religious ties to another part of the world, of course you get a no, that's going to, you know, you, you got to take what they say with a grain of salt and, and, and be kind of, skeptical of the influence that they may have over your own nation's foreign policy, you know, like if they're advocating for things that align with the interest of their people, so to speak. But if you're going to say, like, you got to have all the correct opinions on Israel, you got to have all the correct opinions on all these issues. And if you deviate from the orthodoxy on any one of these issues, you don't belong on the right at all. It, it just, strategically i don't think that's going to be a winning strategy you know given what we're up against here at home um so i i just want to say that for, uh i guess this is one of those situations where if you wait in the middle of it which is why we shouldn't do it in israel versus palestine but if you're going to wait into the middle of of some of these issues you're going to get hit shit on by both sides you know oh you're sympathizing with the jews or oh you're sympathizing you're attacking the jews i'm doing neither all i'm saying is we recognize I, I don't like Bolsheviks and there's a lot of Bolsheviks and, you know, in the Jewish American community, but there's also a lot of, uh, among the Orthodox Jews, anti-communists who are also pro-Israel. And so it's like, they, you shouldn't just write them all off because they disagree with you on what we should do or what our foreign policy should be with regards to Israel. It's more complicated than that. It's like you have people, you don't have friends, enemies. You have different people have different interests. And where do our interests overlap? Where do we want the same thing? I mean, I think, you know, taking a step back and looking at the situation, there's definitely a inner ring or cabal in the world today uh, that does have Jews, I'll say, are disproportionately represented among the, the upper echelons of this ring of people that have power and wield it in bad ways but there's certainly a lot of gentiles goyim you know that are in the midst of this right so you know who's the enemy is it jews no it's the cabal of people and the you know they just as with america after 9-11 america was uh, and americans 
anger and feelings of patriotism and, and loyalty, you know, our tribal loyalties to our own side allowed us to be manipulated into supporting a foreign policy that fucked over a lot of people in the world, harmed a lot of people, including harmed a lot of people in America, um, to benefit an elite cabal of Americans and Israelis, right? So just as though people throughout the world might look at you as an American and feel like I should be able to take it out on you because your country did this, you supported this. And it's like, you know, yeah, but one, not all Americans supported the Iraq war, even at the time, you know, like John Kerry uh, supported it before he opposed it. Well, some people opposed it from the get go, you know, like Ron Paul, um, other people supported it, but only because it was sold to them under false pretenses and they weren't really aware of what they were supporting and why. And then after they learned more of the truth, they're like, oh, this is horrible, you know. Um, so who's to blame for it? I mean, yeah, maybe as Americans we should have been more skeptical of our government and the things that they were saying to us and our media, uh, same group of people, the neocon artists that are now promote that have been promoting war with Russia over Ukraine and promoting now let's get involved with Israel and, you know, make this war our war. Um you know, what I'm saying, though, is that just as somebody who's an Arab might look at it, you as an American and say, hey, we're justified in butchering them or, you know, th- these are evil people because they did this to us. It's like, yeah, it wasn't all Americans. It was like a inner circle of psychopaths in our government, in our intel services, in a military industrial complex and all that that orchestrated this and manipulated the rest of us into supporting something that we wouldn't have supported if we knew the truth. And I think there's got to be something like that going on with Jews and even with Israelis that, and again, cause I see the parallels with 10, seven and nine 11, where Israel, the Mossad, the, the people in Israel's government and IDF had to know this was coming and allow it to happen in the same way that our government. And I guarantee I would be shocked if, more information doesn't come to light in the next few weeks indicating this, indicating there was some foreknowledge on the part of certain high up officials within the Israeli government who knew this was going to happen and let it happen because they thought they could use that aftermath of it to their advantage. And so that to me, I'd be shocked if that wasn't the case because that's pretty much what happened with America in nine 11. And it, given that this is, are these really our leaders? Are these really, you know, when you are talking about with America, are, are these really our leaders that, that led us like sheep to the slaughter, basically, you know, as American people it's for the Israelis, are those really your leaders or Jews? Are those really your, your people like that, that are allowing this to happen, you know? And, and similarly, if you're looking at the acts of actions of Israel or the actions of the United States and saying, man, this, this is a horrible nation. Well, distinguish please between the people and the government between, and not just the, the government, the, the, the cabal that really runs the government. Cause this is, it's kind of, there's a lot of parallels between both places. So that's what I'm saying is that, you know, the real enemy here is this inner circle of, and I'm using this uh, inner circle, I should say inner ring based on a CS Lewis essay called the inner ring which really, man, of all the essays that talk about evil and explain a lot about the evil in the world, that essay really does. And just a brief overview of it, I think it's in his 
collection of essays called The Weight of Glory, but the, the one, um, the inner ring talks about the difference between the official hierarchy, the, uh, the official rules, the official job descriptions that people have and all that, versus the unofficial or unwritten rules and the unofficial, unwritten, you know, chain of command, hierarchy, all that, where, you know, you'll have uh, people that kind of have this uh, inner, the whole thing, it's like the inner circle is like, you know, the easiest example of this is like the clique of popular people in junior high school, right? Why are they popular? It's not necessarily they have more friends than everybody else. It's just they are part of this group that for whatever reason, other people look at and want to be a part of, you know? And there's like this exclusivity about it where I'm on the inside and you're on the outside and that kind of thing. And that exists. And it's the source of a lot of evil in the world. And there exists an inner ring among different governments of the world, different, you know, institutions uh, that manipulate things to their advantage. And it's as George Carlin said, it's a big club and, you ain't in it. I'm not in it either, you know. And that's true of Israel, true of the United States. So what I'm saying with that is like I'm I'm very skeptical of Israel. I'm very skeptical of this um, you know, cabal of people that is you know, among the neocon artists, uh largely Jewish, but not exclusively Jewish. And um certainly not all Jews are a part of it, just as not all Americans support America's foreign policy or all the actions that American government takes. So it's like in looking at this trying to just put like this black and white easy solution on it where it's like okay these are their friends these are the enemies over here it's like that's I, I think counterproductive to understanding this and makes you more easy to be manipulated by bad actors because if this is one of these too it's like if, if you look at these are my friends well your friend you can be convinced to do something based on what you think your your loyalty is to your friends right or um if those are your enemies right you can also be, as John Carter put it in his uh, stuff sack post, mimetic judo. You can be manipulated into taking a contrarian uh, position if you perceive your enemies as having taken a, a different position. And that can be used against you to manipulate you into, you know. So basically, if you have a devil who is, there's a two puppets that he's controlling, and one puppet is saying outrageous stuff on the far left one puppet's out saying outrageous stuff on you know far right and i know there's not really a symmetry here but um you know but basically it's like you you play both sides of the conflict right so it's like if you're part of this cabal of um you know largely jewish you know it is what it is banksters you bankroll the soviet union the bolsheviks revolution there you're also bankrolling wall street in the USA, you know, you're playing both sides. You're betting on both horses, you know, capitalism and communism. It's like, hey, we'll just see which one wins. We own the racetrack, so might as well bet on both horses. And that way, you know, I mean, people can fight about which horse is best, and we're really in control of the outcome and going to win regardless. And that's kind of what's, I, anyway, I, I see going on here. So I don't know. You probably disagree with me. I think I'm full of shit on at least one of the points that I tried to make there. Um, what I'm saying is a few takeaways. One, you know, this isn't our fight and, you know, American leaders need to worry about Americans and the concerns that Americans have and not the concerns that Ukrainians or Israelis have, 
you know, why Israelis and why Ukrainians have more representation in our government than Americans do is certainly an issue that uh, deserves to be uh, scrutinized. And, you know, we need to <laughs> close our own borders and deal with our own violent crime situation. And those that oppose that, uh, basically they're enemies of the American people and we shouldn't listen to them. So I'm talking about the ADL and George Soros and Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and Joe Biden and Bill Clinton and all these, Hillary Clinton, all these fucking people, the squad. And of course, now that I listed all those people off, you got people that within the list of people that I just described are on different sides of this Israel versus Palestine issue. So, I mean, as I said, it's weird, but um, basically it's like we as Americans, and if you're uh, a white male, well, we're like... um, the the group that now everybody loves to hate and so we got to identify our interests and what those interests are and focus on those interests and not friend enemy alliances distinctions whatever um what are our interests you know and you can identify those and advocate for those and when people who share your interests you know hey you can advocate for your interests together and where they oppose you, you know, you know, well, you got to contend with them on this issue because their interests are different than yours. And that's really how we need to go about our politics, you know, because everybody else gets to play identity politics, including Jews, you know, and the blacks and the Indians and the Hispanics. And everybody gets to take pride in their, you know, the, the positive contributions of their race or ethnicity and promote their and practice in-group preference and all that and why people are supposed to just, you know, take a step back and not advocate for ours. And we need to identify our interests and focus on those interests and focus less on who's our friend, who's our enemy. No, more, this is what our interests are. Let's advocate for that, you know. And so, again, if you're one of our interests is dealing with immigration, closing the border, you know, um, if, if people are going to immigrate, they need to be vetted. It needs to be done legally. And it needs to be a limit on it because otherwise the melting pot's not going to work. So if, in order for the melting pot to work, you know, uh, we got to tamp down on it. Certainly eliminate illegal immigration pretty much by whatever means necessary. And if that means people at the border shooting to kill when people are trying to cross it illegally, then that's what it means. You know, uh, I mean, you're coming into our home uninvited, uh, criminally and we don't know who you are and what kind of threat you pose then you're a deadly threat potentially and you need to be treated as such you know at the same time legal immigration you know there are immigrants who make great contributions to america so you know i'm not going to say that i'm totally opposed to it but immigration needs to work for americans first before we worry about what other people and other groups may want to get out of the whole deal we need to worry about what we're getting out of it so anyway that's that's the issue just as an example that's our interest so you know if if orthodox jews for example who we disagree with about israel are also though very much in favor of of completely overhauling the the situation at the border and and real meaningful border security and deportations of illegals and all that then we share interest there. We share interest if they're against the street communists and against Antifa and BLM. We share interest, you know. So it's like we don't have to pretend that we're, you know, that we agree on everything, that we're just best friends and, and everything they want, we want, and vice versa. 
but it doesn't mean I, I'm going to say it doesn't mean they're bad people for having for advocating for their own interests. We just need to recognize like their interests differ from ours in some ways. And where they do, where their interests are opposed to ours, we oppose them on that issue. But where their interests overlap with ours, we can advocate for those interests together. Um, and really, at the end of the day, you know, after 9-11, after 10-7, I mean, you know, I think there's something similar in both places. And this is probably true with uh, anywhere in the world that you care to go. You got the elite class that is making deals to benefit itself and using its own people basically just as a source of its own power, you know, and maybe using their own people as a human shield to uh, protect themselves from the blowback of their own policies, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, the people, the regular folks, who are not billionaires who can't just call up a congressman or a senator and get them on the phone and say, Hey, you know, this is a piece of legislation uh, that I want changed in this way and get what they want put into the bill, put in the bill. Like there are people that can do that. They can call up a U.S. Senator. There's only a hundred senators in America. They can call one up, get one on the phone or get a meeting with one, tell them, Hey, I don't like this piece of legislation. This is what I want changed. And the Senator says, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And they do what they want. You know, that's a rarefied level of power and influence that most of us never see. And so that to me is a distinction that gets lost a lot of times in these conversations. You know, the, the average Jew has about as much influence over, you know, the actions of George Soros and the open society or the actions of, you know, Zelensky's, you know, occupied government in Ukraine or, um, the government of Israel and its policies, the average Jew has about as much influence over those as the average non-Jewish white person has over the actions of America's foreign policy or America's government or Bill Gates or Klaus Schwab. I mean, which say none, you know? So I don't know saying all that just to, just to say, um, you know, focus on our interests and our interests are not served by getting involved in this conflict in the Middle East um, with Israel and Palestine. You know, I'm sure there's going to be atrocities committed by Israel in response to the atrocities committed by the Palestinians, you know, and so there's going to be video or footage or stories, you know, uh, trying to tug at your heartstrings saying, hey, you know, we're really friends here. We're really, you know, you hate these people like we hate these people. Look at what they're doing. And in either side it's like just remember you don't have friends you don't have enemies you have interests and other people have their interests and there are some real evil people out there who will manipulate you and manipulate others because they know what you're not it's harder to do when you know what your interests are and you're advocating for those but they will still try to manipulate you by making you think that your interests are served by following their agenda but they really have an easier time manipulating you when you're just blindly kind of following what you feel like your friends are or your enemies are, you know, opposing your enemies, helping your friends. That makes you easy to manipulate um, in this smoke and mirrors kind of, you know, cloak and dagger game, which is, um, you know, the way modern warfare and information warfare is, is done. You know, uh, so anyway, those are my two cents on that. Agree, disagree, let me know if I'm full of shit or if you think I'm 
write about anything. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, that's my take on it. And again, this is episode number 26 of A Ghost in the Machine, the podcast called uh, Israel's 9-11 or, uh, you know, Global War on Terror 2.0 incoming, World War Three, A New Front. I don't know what I'll title it yet, but I'm sure I'll come up with a fancy, catchy title. And uh, it's uh, episode 26, October 9th, 2023. As I said, happy Columbus Day to all you explorers out there. Go explore some shit. Conquer some new territories. Uh, Anyway, hasta luego.